sisters and brothers in Christ, out of this moment of gratitude, um, today we are going to be talking about joy. Uh, and this is, the, uh, this is the end of our True North series. We started it back... Um, all the way back in September. Uh, so it's been 30 Sundays that we've been talking about this. Um, and we, we took out Advent. But other than that, we've been talking about what is it that we believe and, and what difference should that make in our lives? What, what practices should we as followers of Jesus engage in? And then finally, what should we look like? And that's what we've been talking about over these last 10 weeks. So what, in what way should we be reflecting our lives, reflecting um, the life of God? And so today we are looking at joy on this, the last Sunday. And so for that, we're going to uh, take a look at the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 12. So I invite you to hear these words. John writes, I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. And he removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we come to you on this day of gratitude, thanking you again for the ways in which you are at work in our lives and in our world. It is easy, God, for us to forget that amidst the busyness of our lives. It is easy for us to forget. And because we do so, Lord, we oftentimes do not live the joy-filled life that you have called us to, that you have invited us into. And so I pray this morning that this would be a time simply for us to remember the call to joy. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. So I think it's a little bit difficult to talk about the subject of joy because it's a little bit hard to define. And typically, uh, when people talk about joy, they do it by contrasting it with happiness. That happiness tends to be dependent upon your circumstances in life. If things are going well in your life, then you will be happy. If things are not going well, then you will not be I knew you guys weren't really paying attention. Then you will not be, there we go, you will not be happy, right? But joy is a bit deeper 
than that. It's a, it's a deeper, comes out of a deeper sense of peace and contentment. It comes out of a place of knowing who you are and why you are here and having a purpose, if you will. Uh, and so it's not dependent on one's circumstances. I was thinking about this when I was um, thinking about last week. We talked about, of course, um, as a part of our home group, Icebreakers, we said, what's your favorite uh, love song? And so um, I guess another question could be, what's your favorite song about joy? And I have a feeling if I said that, many of you would at least come up with, whether it was your favorite or not, joy to the world, right? And we don't sing that all that often here, but joy to the world, right? That's a Christmas, not all that often, not all that often in the summer, uh, but we do sing it, of course, around Advent and Christmas, the Christmas season. And the reality, of course, as you think about that particular song, the celebration of Jesus being born, is that this isn't exactly a happy time, if you will, for Mary. Her circumstances were not overly happy, right? She was uh, not married, uh, an unwed mother. Um, she was young. She was far from home, right? Her situation was not all of that great in many ways, and yet we sing joy to the world, and we think that Mary is full of joy, and the reason for that is because God is with her, and God is with the world. In fact, Randy Frazee says this. He says, joy has more to do with remaining in the presence of Jesus than with avoiding problems and struggles in our lives. That joy comes first and foremost from being with and having the presence and seeing the presence of Jesus in our lives. Now, all that said, and while it is certainly easy to say we should be able to have joy in any circumstance we're in, the truth is it's really not that easy. Right? You've seen probably the bumper stickers or heard people say those two words, you know, choose joy. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Right? If we could just kind of choose joy, that would be great, right? And, and sometimes even when I read um, Christian books, if you will, right, they'll say things like this. I read this earlier this week. Despite my circumstances, I feel inner contentment and understand my purpose in life. Good for you. Now, it's not that those are wrong, per se, but it does mean that sometimes this can come off as kind of overly pious jargon, if you will. And it sounds great, and it sounds wonderful, but it's really a struggle, if we can be honest, to really be joyful wherever it is that we are and in whatever circumstance we may face. So that's why I was drawn then to John 15, because here Jesus talks about joy. He says that you can have joy, that your joy can be made complete. But he says in order to do that, you need to listen to what I have been saying to you. Right? And it's maybe helpful to understand that when Jesus is saying these words, um, it's happening on Maundy Thursday. And so Jesus has already, in the previous chapters, just before this, he's already told them that someone's going to betray him, that someone's going to deny him, and basically that he is going to die. Yeah, right? But he says in the midst of that, he is full of joy. Right? It doesn't seem like he would be, but in the midst of that, he's full of joy. And so what is it that Jesus has been saying to his disciples, right? In what ways is he trying to tell them? Because he knows how difficult the time is going to be, not just for him, but for his disciples over those next few days. How can you still be a person of joy? And so he begins it by saying, 
I, being Jesus, I am the vine. My Father is the vine grower, and you are the branches. In other words, you as the disciples, we as disciples, we are dependent on the vine. We are branches. Jesus is the vine. Right? This goes back kind of to what we talked about the very first Sunday of our True North series when we said, as we've repeated throughout the series, that God is God and we are not. Right? It seems very simple, of course, but we easily forget that, right? We easily forget that. And oftentimes the way that you see us forgetting this is by the ways that we think that we are ultimately in control, that we try to control things. Control is a way of forgetting that we are the branches and that Jesus is the vine. So I was thinking about that. One of the things that happens, of course, is that we each have practices. Whether we know it or not, we are always practicing something, which means we are always cultivating something in our life. Sometimes, I would say, we are cultivating um, um, and believing and, and, and actually actually really practicing the fact that God's in control. In other ways, we are practicing kind of our own being in control. And as I was thinking about that, I was, uh, I, I was turned on to this um, video from, uh, from a TED Talk uh, that happened back in 2012. Um, it was by uh, Sherry Turkle. You may have seen it because it was five years ago, but she's a professor at MIT. And, and, and about 15 years before that, she talked about how she thought the technology, this was in the mid-90s, technology was really going to help us in our own relationships. And so now, 15 years later, in 2012, she says, it's a 20-minute talk. We don't have uh, time to watch the whole thing, though that would have made my week a lot easier. Um, but let's just wa watch one minute of that. For self-reflection. We're getting used to a new way of being alone together. People want to be with each other, but also elsewhere connected to all the different places they want to be. People want to customize their lives. They want to go in and out of all the places they are because the thing that matters most to them is control over where they put their attention. So you want to go to that board meeting, but you only want to pay attention to the bits that interest you. And some people think that's a good thing, but you can end up hiding from each other even as we're all constantly connected to each other. 50-year-old businessman laments to me that he feels he doesn't have colleagues anymore at work. When he goes to work, he doesn't stop by to talk to anybody, he doesn't call, and he says he doesn't want to interrupt his colleagues because he says they're too busy on their email. But then he stops himself and he says, you know, I'm not telling you the truth. I'm the one who doesn't want to be interrupted. I think I should want to, but actually, I'd rather just do things on my BlackBerry. Across the generations, I see that people can't get enough of each other. If and only if they can have each other at a distance in amounts they can control. So this is not, uh, this is not uh, a sermon that she's preaching. This is uh, simply a TED Talk, right? And the sense of, as she is seeing as a, as a social scientist, as she is studying, and what she's discovering is that we want to be in control, and that includes things like in our relationships. In other parts of this particular talk, she says a couple other things. She says, we are lonely, but we are afraid of intimacy. And then she says, I love this, we have the illusion of companionship, 
without the demands of friendship. So one of the things that's happening here, and I'm not going to continue on this kind of psychological talk here, but I do think it's critical to see this, is that we like to be in control, but when you are in control, you can't be in genuine relationship. One of the things about intimate relationship is that you are giving up control, right? And when we don't do that, we don't practice giving up control. And I think, I think that cultivates us into a kind of people then, because it's the practicing with one another that helps us to remember who is actually in control and that it is not us. It is those daily practices of being in relationship with one another where we have to, right? If you're married, you know you always are having to make compromises, or at least you should be making compromises, right? If you are, if you have friends, whatever it is, you're always making those, which means you're not always in control. And it is that practice of giving up control that then helps us to be shaped in a different way so that we can understand that ultimately it is God who is in control. And how aware are we of how these practices are shaping us? Right? When we talked about worship a few, uh, couple months ago or so, uh, back in January, I think, when we talked about worship, we said that is a practice in which we either come in here or you do it wherever it is that you are, and we are practicing the reminder that God is the one we worship because God is the one who is in control, because God is the true vine and we are the branches, right? But only when we don't do that, when we think that we're in control, the reality is, and this is is what, again, what scientists have proven is that people who are overly into their technology, their anxiety begins to go up, right? There is a direct correlation. And the more you want control and are trying to get control, the more anxious you are, the less joy you have, right? And so we begin then in terms of understanding how do we be a people of joy? I don't think it's just by saying, okay, today I'm going to choose joy. Today I'm going to choose joy. No, 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 no. I think it is by remembering that God is, that Christ is the vine, that we are the branches, that God is in control. Now, let's be clear that just doing that does not mean that everything is going to go splendidly. A couple years ago, maybe, maybe a year and a half or so ago now, I talked about one of my uh, former mentors, uh, Steve Hayner. Steve was the president of uh, Columbia Seminary. He was a president for many years, over a decade for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. He was on the board of uh, World Vision, and um, he was a, he was just kind of an entrepreneur and creative, a visionary. He was a great guy, but sometimes, no offense to you if that's also who you are, but sometimes people who are like that, they're not very good at relationships. And he was actually very good at relationships too. He was very kind of, uh, um, he would engage with you one-on-one. He was, he was great. And one of the things that was always known about Steve is that, is that whenever he would sign off on an email or a letter, he would always sign off joyfully. Joyfully, Steve Hayner joyfully Steve Hayner. And it came out of who he actually was. It could be kind of obnoxious if he wasn't actually joyful, but he was. He was an incredibly joyful person. And then, the week of Easter, after Easter in 2014, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And pancreatic cancer, as you probably know, is not, not that there is a good cancer, but it is an incredibly difficult cancer. And sure enough, within nine months, uh, Steve Hayner died. But in the in-between time, from when he was diagnosed to when he passed away, 
He began, and this is one of the wonders, great things about technology, he and his wife began uh, making little journal entries into uh, CaringBridge, the CaringBridge website that many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with. And so the question that many of us had, whether we said it out loud or not, is would Steve continue to be joyful in the midst of facing death? And so we would watch this. I would, I would read whenever, whenever a new entry came. I would always read it. And it was heartbreaking in one sense because here's the thing. Joyfulness, again, does not mean that you were hiding from reality. They would be very honest. He would be very honest about how difficult it was, how painful it was. But also to begin to see how that joy continued despite where he was. In fact, it was, uh, I was not the only one who was impressed by uh, reading these things. They actually ended up making a book out of it. Uh, and I'm not selling this book, so I want you to know that. But this book is called Joy in the Journey. And if you know somebody, just as a side note, if you know somebody who is going through um, the sadness of an impending death, or which I, is actually all of us, but, um, and somebody who you think would be helped by something like this, I would, I would encourage you to look at this joy in the journey. But one of the, uh, one of the, art, or one of the uh, entries came from May 15th, and I want to just read that particular article or a particular entry to you. Steve writes this, All life on planet Earth is terminal. And while we can certainly contribute to our own well-being in amazing ways, none of us is ultimately in control. None of us is ultimately in control. One day, my life will be swallowed up by capital L, life, right? Which is a great phrase. Steve goes on to say, I am choosing truth, joy, and love wherever I can. I am resolute in my desire to learn, to fulfill my calling, and to engage each day with as much joy as I am graciously given or can borrow. I'm apprehensive about the unknown, and I am certainly feeling knocked around, but I am not afraid, at least yet. And then he, find, he, he concludes by saying, to paraphrase Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the hills. Is that where my help comes from? No, my help comes from the Lord who is maker of both heaven and earth and who holds me in the palm of God's hand. Why is it that Steve was able to continue to be joyful in spite of the difficulty of death, it's because, as he says there twice, I think, with being knowing who is ultimately in control and saying that he knows that his life is in the palm of God's hand. Right? The critical nature of knowing how to be joyful in spite of death, the death that may come. And the reason why I think Steve was able to do that is not because he got the diagnosis and all of a sudden he decided to start being faithful. I think it's because in the midst of his life, he had never, he was always being reminded, he was faithful throughout to remember who was in control so that when he stood at the door of death, his joy was not taken away from him. But it takes time. It takes time to be joyful, much more than it takes the time to put in a Choose Joy bumper sticker on your car. It takes time. One of the things that we talked about during this series is faithfulness. And we said it's a, like a long obedience in the same direction. And I think because Steve was able to do that, because he was able to be faithful throughout, 
that he was able to have joy despite the circumstances in which he found himself. Another way to say that is that Steve was able to abide in Christ. Jesus says there in John that you need to abide in me. So how do we abide in Jesus? Well, again, one of the things or some of the things that we talked about during this True North series was in worship we abide in Jesus. When we come here, as we just said, we remember who's in control. We talked about how in prayer, in spending time in prayer, what are you doing? You are saying, I am dependent upon God. In the midst of that, as we pray each and every day, as, we, as that begins to shape us into a people who remember who God is, that helps us to abide, to remain in Christ. But another thing that we talked about that I think is helpful in terms of practicing this abiding in Jesus is reading Scripture, right? We, we said, if you were here when we talked about uh, uh, the Bible, we said that uh, Eugene Peterson points out that when it says meditate in the Old Testament, meditate uh, on Scripture, in Hebrew that literally means growl. Right? And, and so if you were here, you may remember that we, we showed a picture of, uh, I didn't, we didn't do it this week, but we showed a picture of, uh, of a dog that was, uh, that was kind of chewing a bone, right? And that that's, what, that's what it is. It's like growling on a bone, that, that joy, right? That that's what is what we should do when we are reading Scripture. In fact, right, that what happens is that you begin to ingest it, right? It becomes a part of your tendons, of your muscles, of your sinews. It becomes a part of your eyes so that you begin to see things differently. Did you notice as a part of that journal entry, what happens there at the end? He quotes scripture, right? He paraphrases scripture. And what I, my guess is, I'm about 99.9% sure that when Steve was there, when he was thinking about that, he didn't look up and say, well, what's a good way for me to end this particular journal entry? No, no, no. That he had lived and chewed on the 121st Psalm again and again and again when he was in the midst of good life, when things were going well, when he was being promoted, so that when he was there facing death, it just oozed out out of him. He had chewed on that scripture so that then in the midst of that, he was able to continue to be joyful in spite of what he was facing. I also think that one of the things we talked about in this True North series is a part of what it means for us to be joyful, and that is to be in biblical community with one another. One of the things that we can't overlook is that this journey of faith is not easy. But it can be joyful if you are journeying on it with other people. I was thinking about this when a week or so ago when the tragedy in London and the attacks there on, on London Bridge. and I was remembering my first time when I was at London Bridge. I, I, I talked about this a little while back and probably the reason why, because London Bridge is actually not a very interesting bridge. Uh, people are oftentimes, they misunderstand. They think that London Bridge is actually Tower Bridge, which it's not, right? So here's, so this is Tower Bridge, and the thing that's important about London Bridge is that it's actually the best view, because it's a neighboring bridge, of Tower Bridge, right? And so when I first got to London for the very first time, I, I, I put my stuff away and I went to London Bridge so that I could look at, Lond- at Tower Bridge. And I did this, of course, because Rick Steves told me to. And you always do what Rick Steves tells you to do, right? And so I went there and so sure enough, that was a view. And so there I was. I mean, this is kind of on the banks of the Thames, but I, as you're a little bit further up, as I was staring there, right? 
as you may recall, I, 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 I was amazed. You know, a lot of times things, you know, you see them on TV, you see them in a movie, you're like, eh, you know, you actually see it in real life. It's like, eh, that was so-so. It's amazing. I mean, it is towering. See what I, anyway, so, towering, thank you. So it's, it's vibrant, right? And what did I want to do? When I saw how beautiful it was, what did I do? I went like this. But there was nobody there because I was by myself, right? I had no friends with me, right? I was all by myself. And what happened then is it was cool, but there wasn't really joy, because there was no one to share it with. When I saw that beautiful thing, I wanted someone to share it with. And because I couldn't, it was just kind of neat, but it wasn't joyful, right? In fact, the joy that comes now is only from that particular scene is when other people have seen Tower Bridge and I can talk to them about it, right? And then there is joy in being able to share it together. Joy just kind of bubbles up when you're on the journey together, right? This is, what, uh, this is what's being talked about. What's, what's, uh, what's great about this line is it says that we are the branches. And it's been pointed out that the branches, of course, of a vine, they are very hard to distinguish one from another, right? It's very hard to distinguish one branch from another, right? That we are called to be united. In fact, Jesus goes on to say, love one another is the command that he gives, right? And it is when you are bonded like that, when you are united like that as a community, that more joy begins to bubble up. Friday night, um, we had our inquirers meeting at our house, and um, um, this is, by the way, if, you're, if people sometimes say, well, why should we become a member? If for no other reason, uh, you should just look at being a member just so that you can come over to our house on Friday night, because it's really, not our house is not really fun, but it's really fun to be there on a Friday night and to hear all these people who are coming in here and to hear the reasons why it is that they've, you know, that they're coming to ZPC just to find out other things about them. It's really a very, I think it's a very joyful time. What would you say, Scott? All right, good. It's the, it's the right answer. So, so uh, uh, one of the questions I always ask, we eat, and then we kind of gather together around in this large circle, and, and I ask them several questions. Uh, but one of them is, what drew you to ZPC? What's, what's the thing that really kind of drew you to ZPC? The answers are always, you know, varied, and, uh, and, and so, but, but, but I also answer the question, right? And so, you know, I do the kind of the obligatory, you know, well, I needed to feed my family, and, you know, everyone kind of gives the polite chuckle like you guys did a couple minutes ago. And, and, and then I go on to say what really drew me, you know, was, was, was quite frankly, was the fact that they were serious about, you know, about Jesus. They were serious about the mission uh, of God in the world, and that, that really, you know, that, that drew me in, that I loved the PNC. I thought all those things, the, the, the committee that brought me here. But one of the things that we couldn't have known before coming here um, is the fact that one of the things that we most love about ZPC now is how committed ZPCers seem to be, and I think are, to community, to being in relationship with one another. Now, hear me. I know that we are not perfect that we leave people behind at times, and we are trying to get better at that. I want you to know that. If you feel like that about yourself, I want you to know I'm sorry that we have not been perfect at this. But I do think that by and large, we are a people who love to be in relationship. And one of the things that Megan and I do with some regularity, more often than you would even imagine, is that we talk about how appreciative we are, not just for a job, not just that I get to pastor people here, not that we live in this particular area, not any of those things. What I am appreciative of is the fact that we have friends. 
here that are a part of this congregation and how much we love the fact that other people have friendships with one another, right? You would think that this just happens, but it doesn't happen as much in every congregation as you might think. And I want you to know that when we do that, this is what happens. I'm not making this up. We become, we get grateful because we know we haven't always seen that. We become more grateful. And out of that gratefulness, no matter where we are, there is just a sense of joy that begins to come out of our conversation. Why? Because we love being with you all and knowing that we are on this faith journey and this journey of life together. And I want you to know how appreciative I am of that. We love you guys and ladies. And we love being on this journey. And though there are difficult times, as we've had some difficult times together, in the midst of that, I want you to know that we continue to be full of joy because of the fact that we are together. This is, I almost thought as I was writing this out that this is like my last Sunday here. I, I, I hope it's not. But that's, I, I want you to know what, what a joy that is. Why? Because when we are branches together of rooted in the vine, right, then there is a certain joy that comes out of simply being there together. Now here's the last thing that I want to say about this passage. Is that Jesus says that as the branches are rooted in the vine, Right? And as they are united together, loving one another, that's what is going to happen. Fruit is going to be produced. Now, one of the interesting things that I read, read uh, not long ago is that it, it said it's very simple. It says branches don't live off of the fruit that they produce. The fruit is for whom? It's for others. The fruit is for others and nourishes others. So in other words, as we are rooted in the vine, as we are connected with one another, we will produce things for that helps to nurture and helps others to grow. I don't have time to talk about this in great length, so let me just share one story that I think kind of depicts this. I, not long ago, I heard a story from a ZPC or um, who told me about, um, about a covenant child. There was a, a covenant child, elementary-aged uh, child, and, and that child, he wanted to invite somebody in his class over to his house. Now, this was somebody who, who may not have been the easiest of, of people to invite over, but, but he wanted to. And so you, if you have children, you know how it works. Uh, uh, the child asks the mom. The mom connects with the mom. And the mom and then says, okay, so it goes like this, right? And then boom, and then they go to the house, right? And so this is what happened. And so the kid was there, but the kid's mom was also there. And for about two hours, the kids played together. The moms were able to get to know one another, right? This is, this is somewhat typical, not a big deal, except for the fact that after those two hours, whenever they were about to leave, the mom stopped and she looked back. And with tears in her eyes, she said, this is the first time anyone has invited us into their home. So thank you. And there were two things that came to my mind. Three things. One is how sad that is. We think it's so difficult to be a reflection of Jesus in this place, in this community. It is easy, as easy as inviting somebody into your home. We assume oftentimes that everybody already has friends, that those things are already happening, that everything is great. We make those assumptions, and it's just not true. 
But the other thing that I realized after hearing that story was that there was, there was a joy that came over me in realizing that, first of all, a covenant child, right? Right? A kid about this high, probably about this high, wanted to invite somebody over. And because of that, all of a sudden, there was joy brought into this whole other family. Can you imagine? I mean, how incredible to know that we can be a part of bringing joy and life to others, right? By a simple thing of producing fruit. And here's what I want you to know. Now, my guess is, I know this family a little bit. My guess is that they didn't just say, well, you know what? We've not really been worshiping at all. We've not really been reading the scripture. We've not really been praying. But today, we're going to choose joy. No, 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 no. That this is a group of people, a family who has been rooted in the vine that is Jesus the Christ and who have been worshiping and praying and have been living in community together and as a part of doing this as a part of this faithfulness all of a sudden as they as they cultivate hospitality all of a sudden then there's another there's a piece of fruit one little apple maybe that was able to be chewed on by somebody else that brought life that is joyful message for today is not go out and choose joy. The message for today is this. Continue to be rooted in who Christ is. Remember who is in control. Remember to be in community with one another. Remember to worship and to pray. Remember to do these things. And as you are doing so, brothers and sisters in Christ, God will choose joy for you. God, as the vine grower, will choose joy for you as you live into who he is and as you live into the joy of being on this mission with one another. Brothers and sisters in Christ, may God choose joy for each and every one of us. And in so doing, might others be able to taste of the joy of the love and the grace of the Almighty. Let's pray. God, the easy message today would be to say, choose joy. But the faithful word, it seems to me, Lord, is not to say something that will be forgotten within a day, but instead is to encourage us to abide in Jesus and doing the faithful work of practicing what it means to be rooted in you. Because we know that as we do so, that it is you, God, who will bring joy into our life. we recognize you as God, as we journey together, and as others are able to taste and to see that the Lord is good. It's in your name we pray. Amen.